Hello, everyone, and welcome into this episode of the Spy Point Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Marsh, uh, joined today by, uh, uh, I'd say good friend, I'm not sure if he'd agree or not, but I'm going to go ahead and say good friend, Dustin Sanchez from Real Avid. Uh, wanted to uh, have him on here for a while. Now we're kind of hitting this summer lull and we're kind of between seasons. I thought it'd be a good time to get, uh, get Dustin on here, talk about uh, some competitive shooting and some shooting tips and uh, some gunsmithing tips. So uh, Dustin, welcome. Glad to have you. Glad we were finally able to make it work. Why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about uh, what it is you do and how you got here. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for uh, having me on here and I consider you a good friend, so we'll let that one go. Yeah, you're good. Um, yeah, no, you know, uh, I guess yeah, I'm the marketing manager at Real Avid. Uh, so I kind of, you know, here at Real Avid, we make tools for anybody who wants to build their gun or do any type of maintenance on their firearm uh, as far as, you know, like you want cleaning, all that good stuff there. Um, but I actually got into the industry over a decade ago. And, uh, you know, you said you're in between seasons. Uh, for me, I'm in the, like, in the heart of my season right now for competitive shooting. So I fly out tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. to uh, go shoot a match in New Mexico and then come back. And I think I still have nine matches on my schedule for the year. So uh, I'm still still moving. But, um, yeah, I started shooting competitively uh, about 12 years ago. Uh, just kind of got into three-gun first. A good friend of mine, Nathan Payne, his dad, Brian Payne, they, you know, we were kind of doing some MMA fighting, and we both made some career changes in our life. And uh, at that time, they're like, hey, you know, doing MMA probably isn't the best thing to be doing for your career path. So you need to find something where when you show up to work or whatever it is you're doing, you don't have a black eye or a bunch of bruises on you. look like you just got into a bar fight. Um, and that's because I wasn't good at it. So I took a lot of punches. The guys that are good at it, uh-huh. the guys that are good at it, uh, you know, they look fine. But um, right. so yeah, so I yeah, grew up in Texas. So naturally... Growing up in Texas, growing up in the country, I just shot guns all the time. Right. Wasn't good at it. I considered to be, I considered myself to be good, but it wasn't until I went and uh, started training for this first competition, the three gun match, that I realized there was a whole lot to learn. And being a very competitive person, once I start something, it's more like a, having a very addictive personality, right? Like once you start something, you, you do full send. And I've been doing full send for like 12 years now. And, um, yeah, you know, I transitioned from three-gun into long-range shooting at this point in my career. I still dabble around in a little USPSA, IDPA. Uh, I keep telling everybody I'm going to shoot a little three-gun next season. Probably not going to happen. I'm over the whole shotgun phase in my life. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I never know. It's, uh, you know, I have friends that do the tactical games, and we run up here. My, my business partner, I have my own business outside of here. My business partner, I we run the local tactical game skirmishes up here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so every now, you know, I'll do some of those drills and work with people on AR and pistol. And I look at every time I open up my safe, I look at my competition shotgun, like I'm going to do something with it. But that's about as, as far as it goes right now. Uh-huh. I mainly focus on uh, on these guys right here uh, at this moment. That's kind of where my my passion is. So then what is what is your competition rig right now? What are what are you shooting? Yeah. Um, so this year, primary, I'm shooting secondary. So I'm, I'm going to shoot a lot of team matches. And uh, my partner, uh, we're both sponsored by JP Rifles. Um, and my partner, he wanted to do a bolt gun in a 6.5 Creedmoor. So the secondary shooter had to have a 223 or a 308. So um, with JP, uh, I've been with JP for a while. I've actually built rifles for JP for a couple of years before I moved into marketing. And when I was there, I was known for um, shooting 
a dual charging rifle. So uh, this rifle right here is a PSC 21. And the before this rifle, I've got it up there was a PSC 11. So it's dual charging, so you got a top charger, but I also have a side charger. Um, so whenever I decided to shoot a 223, I wanted to do a gas gun uh, since I'm with JP. And this was uh, a pre-production PSC 21 um, dual action. It's a uh, 20 inch 223 barrel. Um, so yeah, this is just kind of my baby. I'm running a Vortex Strike Eagle uh, 5 to 25. Uh, last year I ran a bolt gun and a six Creedmoor and that ran a four and a half to 27 razor. But uh, I was gonna play with it this weekend. I realized I shot out the barrel on that guy. So made a last minute change and have paid $60 in overnight fees to have some ammo shipped here, be here today. So after this, I'm going to the range to uh, just confirm zero and then we're flying to New Mexico. So, nice. Uh, yeah, this is my rig this year. I've shot out to about 900 yards with it this year. And uh, my best friend and I, not to brag or anything, but we did qualify for nationals and the Vortex Sniper Challenge. So figured just keep shooting this guy and get more more rounds through it before we go to nationals. Yeah, the, you know, I've, I, most folks listening know I've got a little bit of history with optics and that, that Vortex. Uh, I've, I've got a Strike Eagle on uh, one of my pieces too. And that, that, regardless of the magnification you use, that's a great platform. Love that Strike Eagle platform. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, you know, naturally I, I run a lot of razors. Uh, one of mm -hmm. the issues I run into is that when people are asking me like, hey, what optic are you using and what optic do you run? I typically running a razor. When right. you get into the razor line, you start to get to around guys that either A, it's not in their budget or B, they don't yep. want that to be in their budget, right? <laughs> and so the, so the Strike Eagle is something that I, you know, anybody can get into at a really good price. Um, it's below $1,000, it's 525 first focal plane and it parallaxes down to uh, I believe 15 yards. So if you want to shoot 22 with it, like NRL 22, or you just want to have a good squirrel rifle that's mm -hmm. got some nice range on it, that guy comes in and great. So my whole goal was to just show people like, you don't have to have the best optic on the market to be able to go out and compete at a high level. Um, at the end of the day, you've got to have fundamentals and a rifle that runs. If you can get those two things down, then you can take um, an optic like the Strike Eagle and not that it's not any, it's not a good optic, it is, but it's, you know, budget friendly that anybody can get into it and go have fun. Yeah, no, it's, I, I think that's true of gear in general. I mean, it, everybody, we've all been at the range and seen the guy walk in with a, you know, $2,500 custom rifle and a $2,500 scope and, you know, can't hit a, a broadside of a barn. It just, uh, uh, somebody that knows what they're doing with mediocre equipment can do a lot more work than, than the guy that just went out and spent a bunch of money and, and bought top end gear, the, the gear's yeah. only going to get you so far. So, and especially on optics, you know, as, as long as it optics have just come so far, I say in the last 25 years, but then I realize how old I am and how long I've been in the industry. And I have to back <laughs> that up. Like the last 40 years, optics have come so far. It's, it's just, it's yeah. getting tougher and tougher to, um, you know, they used to always say that you should spend as much on your scope as you spend on your rifle. And you certainly still can. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but the, what you get, the value that you get anymore, uh, you know, if you're dealing with a reputable brand, there's just so many options in that. I call it the, the, um, just the consumer price level, that sub thousand dollar level that you're going to yeah. get a lot of the performance and no, it's not going to have some of the bells and whistles, but 
just for mounting yeah. it up and going and shooting. If you know, if you know how to shoot that, that scope will not be the weak link. No, no way no. that that's the case. No, there's, there's so many other factors that go into it. And a lot of times I see, and um, especially with hunting, you know, I do a lot of hunting as well. I mean, primarily I shoot competition, but I will go out, I'll do hunting. I guess I grew up doing that. And the biggest thing I, I see there is that ultimately a guy or a female, they really don't understand their setup from the rifle to the ammunition mm-hmm. to the optic. Um, they, they struggle a little bit with just trying to put all that in. They don't put all the time and effort they should into mm-hmm. that particular setup. And that's usually when you see some of these people have issues. Uh, so really what I'm trying to do is um, with this is really talk to people about shooting. And, you know, some people look at long range, especially in hunting is 200 yards. Um, and you have other people that shoot out to 500 yards, but let's say, you know, where I'm at, a lot of guys like 200 yard shots pushing it. And I'm like, you know, in all reality, if you understand what your firearm is doing and you actually run it out to 200, 300 yards before you go hunting, there should never be, you should never have an issue with a miss on a, on a, on an animal when you're out hunting. No, I completely, well, and you, you, you said something that, that made me, I chuckled inside. The idea of shooting a barrel out is something that most people will never ever in their life accomplish. So how many rounds do you have through that setup? Uh, through the six Creedmoor I have, um, as of, so I did it on Sunday cause I tested it on Sunday. I was close to 1300 or sorry, 1400 rounds. I sent around 1350. Um, so yeah, that barrel is, is known to be shot out around 1300 rounds, 1500 rounds. The match I'm going to only needed like 180, 80 rounds. So I was hoping I still had a little bit in there, but I didn't. So, um, yeah, I shot that out in one year. I would have shot that out faster, but I decided to, to play around with the two, two, three, but yeah, it happens. Right. You know, um, a lot of guys I know they're shooting barrels out. It, uh, it, it is what it is. If a guy's been shooting a, a 243 long enough, he has shot that barrel out because the 243 mm-hmm. and six pre are essentially the same thing. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, a guy that, you know, a lot of guys I know started out in 243. They probably yep. ran that for 10 years and they're probably, you know, if they, if they put in there a lot of rounds, they went to the range and shot it a lot, their barrel was getting close to being shot out. And, and that's one of those things, like I said, when you, you're, you're two different worlds when you're talking competitive shooters and when you're talking hunters, because so many, you know, I, and I mean, I'm no different. There's, I've got several guns that are, they are primarily hunting rifles. And once they are sighted in, they they go back into the safe and they set and you get verified every once in a while and you pull them out a couple times a year just to, you know, to run them and clean them. And, you know, there's other guns that get run a lot more than those, but you know, just the, the normal guy going hunting and is, you know, his 30, 30 or his bolt action 308, it's going to take him 30 years to run a thousand rounds yeah. of ammo through that just because it's not getting used that way. And I work with a lot of hunters here and, you know, it's different because I'll be like, you know, I'm going to do a barrel break in and, in that mm-hmm. barrel break in, I'm going to put roughly hundred rounds to that rifle in one range day. Right. And these guys are like a hundred, you're going to put a hundred rounds to that. I'm like, yep. And they're like, well, that that's cause that's a, that's a cheap caliber. You can do that. And I'm like, my ammo, I shoot through this two, two, three behind me is a dollar 60 around. And it's a two twenty three. you know? Right. And I'm like, that's not a cheap round to be shooting a hundred of hundred rounds down range. That, that's over a hundred, you know, a hundred dollar day. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm, putting it in there but for me that's all of the process i want to go through i want to make sure that this barrel will last as long as it can 
shooting the best groups possible. I have guys here that bought brand new deer, uh, you know, deer hunting rifles last year, and they put like five rounds through it. Uh, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, I got it zeroed in like five rounds. I'm good to go. And I'm like, I want to go shoot that rifle and see like your zero compared to my zero. And right. that's not <laughs> crap. Right. You know, that I'm not trying to talk crap about hunters. It's just it, there's a difference. Hunting, whenever... hunting accuracy and competition accuracy are two very different things. You know, they just, yeah, their target, you're shooting a whitetail, your target is six, eight inches. Zeroed yeah. on six, eight inches. That's, that's pretty easy to do again. And it's, it's again, because some of my history is in optics. People always think they're going to shoot further than they really are. And the vast majority, even with rifles, the vast majority of shots, if you're east of the Mississippi, it's going to be under a hundred yards. It yeah. just, you know, sure. yeah, you, you got guys that there's places in the South where you're sitting power lines or there's big ag fields or whatever, but it's guys are never shooting as far as they, they think they need to anticipate for. And it's, it's one of those things that we've seen, you know, on the archery side, we've seen the, the idea of long range practice really get popular, but it, it doesn't seem like it's really trickled over to the gun hunting side of, you know, I, I like to be able to stretch out two or three times a year and get out pushing that 500 mm-hmm. range, 500 yard mark, it just, just more than anything to prove to myself that I shouldn't be doing it all that often. I'm a, I'm a pretty yeah. good shot, but you know, I don't, I don't like shooting a four and a half to five inch group at 500 yards. Like that's, I would like to be shooting better than that, but that's the stuff that I'm, I'm running for hunting because I'm in yeah. Northeast Indiana and my far, I cannot think of any property that I hunt where I would even be able to see 250 yards. Yeah. Everything's, everything's dead hold zero. Like it's just going to be what it's going to be. So there's, there's no real reason to do it. My, uh, my hunting rifle, and I change my hunting rifle every year, depending on what I want, how I feel. I don't buy a new one. I just grab a different gun out of the store. I'm like, oh, this one. And, And when I do that, my zero on there is 25 yard zero. Yep. Right. And that's it. I, I run 25 yard zero and then I'll shoot it out to hundred, but I know that my, my range is 25 to 70 yards. Yeah. So that's really what I focus in on. And I'll put, you know, I'll probably put 30 rounds down in between those two ranges, those two distances, just to really understand what my rifle is doing, where it's going. And I call it a day. Like I said, I, I go one step farther and that's just that whole competition shooting. Yep. You know, we're always trying to make sure we know everything's going on. And though I know I don't need that, it's still just that practice that I put into anytime I go to zero rifle, I do the same regimen on whatever I'm doing. So like Sunday I shot, I confirmed zero at a hundred. And then I shot still at 200, 300 and 400. And I took five shots at 400 and noticed all five shots were about an inch and a half higher than what my dope should have been. So mm-hmm. I dialed it down one shot, five more shots and they were all dead center. So then I actually changed what my 100 yard zero was to be with what my 400 yard zero should be because just the ballistics and everything, you know, right. your, your wind speed and your BC, they all, they're all different at about 400. So I trued my rifle up at the 400. So at a hundred, I'm, I'm a little bit off of a, like an actual true zero, but it's the difference in what I'm trying to shoot for. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we've kind of got into some of it and obviously some of that was probably over, you know, some guys just aren't going to shoot like that, but for the guys or gals that they want to not necessarily get to four and 500 yards, but they just want to tighten up those groups at 
150, 200, 250. Uh, short of trigger time, and I, I'm, I'm going to re-ask my own question because lots of people go shooting, they don't go training. So what can they do to not just shoot, but to actually train themselves to be a better shot at those longer distances? What are some of the quickest wins that they can, they can do to get better at those distances? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Uh, the biggest thing is understanding your rifle so or your pistol, depending on what you want to do. But with a rifle, it's a dry fire. If you could dry fire your rifle at home, that is huge because getting to understand where that trigger breaks, right? When I'm on there and I'm, I'm into that trigger and I'm pulling, 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 I want to be surprised every time. But I mm -hmm. also want to understand that when I'm on it, that I don't just jerk the trigger, right? I want yeah. to push to hit that wall and then start to pull through that wall, right? And, and it goes off, but I need to understand what that trigger does. And by doing that, it's putting time at home doing dry fire. The next thing I see is going to be pe people having positional, like doing positional type work. So somebody's going to go to the range, they're going to go prone, and they're going to shoot that rifle. But when they actually go to, you know, go hunting, they're up in a deer stand. And now their position is completely different. They never shot or they haven't shot from this position in a long time. They're uncomfortable. They're not in a good spot. So I, it comes down to just getting in a couple of different positions with, when you're at the range. Try to replicate the stand, like if you're in a deer stand, try to replicate that deer stand the best way you can. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a firm believer in having a good bipod. I see a lot of people that will shoot from a bipod, even at the range, if they just want to clean up their groups, their bipod is, you know, it, it's wiggling a lot. Um, they're not preloading. Um, nothing is, I've got a whole list here, but I see people get behind their rifle and they're like this, right? When in reality, even shooting long range, you want your rifle to be as square, to as, square as your body as possible. So even mm -hmm. if you're laying prone, you want to be square behind your rifle, right? So I'm prone, my rifle is still lined up right with my shoulder. My, yep. my feet aren't kicked out behind me. All those little things like that, from the dry fire and understanding your trigger to getting behind the rifle properly, getting your eye box set up good, those will all lead to even better shots. If you have parallax on your optic, then you actually need to set your parallax to when you're zero, right? So if I zero at 100 yards, I need to mess with my parallax on my optic and make sure that nothing on that target is blurry. Everything is nice and clear. Once everything is nice and clear, then I'm going to zero my rifle at that parallax level. So if it's at 50, I want my parallax around 50. If I'm at 100, I want it dialed in at 100. So what that does is now when I go out to shoot, let's say I'm going to shoot 500 yards and I want a tighter group. And I, I dial that parallax to, that, to 500, but I get it nice and crisp. Then I know my rifle will be zero. A lot of people don't understand if the parallax is off and when you start messing with that, shooting after that distance, you can start missing your target. You, your groups will open up because it's not zero to the actual optic per se. Well, not only that, but if you're going to move, same with your ocular, you move the ocular or you move your parallax, you've, yep. you've changed something. All of those things have to be, you know, we can go down an optics rabbit hole pretty quick, but um, <laughs> the, the number of people that don't understand what the parallax is for, and then don't understand that once that's moved, if you zeroed at a hundred and you shoot at a hundred and then you move your parallax, it's not zeroed anymore. You're, you're yep. it's, parallax is complicated and like I said for for the average hunter it really doesn't make enough of a difference when you get into competitive right. shooting though that that's where it's it is it's really going to show up uh no doubt 
Now, I would say a lot of these people are shooting like a 301 man. That's going to be expensive to go out and practice, practice. So, like, right now you see a lot of people, Bagara's done it, Ruger's done it. They're putting out 22 bolt guns, right, that mm -hmm. are in a chassis or they look just like that Bagara behind me. They're sitting in the same stock as that. Getting a 22 that you can train with, you don't have to put the same optic on there. Just put an optic that's similar and just go outside, put some rounds through the 22 and start trying to tighten up that group on that 22. Mm -hmm. I, you know, just getting behind the shooting. You're going to see that any time you put practice into that platform, it's going to transition into all the other platforms. Yep. So it's just, it, it really is getting out there and, and you, know, valid, you know, verifying your dry fire through live fire or validating. Have you ever uh, messed around with the air rifles much for that as opposed to a 22? I have not. I've been looking into the air rifles, um, but do it i'm not looking at well do it hold up because the air <laughs> rifles i'm looking at are like four thousand dollars right? no and not and a, i yep i get it i get it but even even though the springer types like a, a good mm -hmm. quality springer um and again kind of goes back to obviously you are full send competitive dude so you're mm. looking at the pre-charge pneumatics and and some oh, of yeah. those but even those springers just the the repetition that exists even i've got a 22 caliber hotson uh from several years ago that at 20 yards i can put a 22 caliber pellet through a 25 caliber hole the gun is capable of doing that oh repetitively nice. so it is really easy if i start jerking the trigger it shows up if i start yeah. peeking it shows up and i can do that on a 10 15 20 yard range and you know it, like i said 22s are great but even even 22 ammo shoot to try to go find it now at 10 12 15 cents around is really tough it wasn't that long ago that's what we were yeah. paying for nine millimeters so um to be able to it's it's something i've talked i've talked about for for quite a few years is just once once i saw how accurate even a relatively not talking daisy red rider not talking that pump yeah. that pump bb gun that we all grew up with but the the adult precision air rifle market is a huge untapped resource for people that want to get better at shooting because the guns are capable of such accuracy that it will show you where your flaws are quick fast and in a hurry um it's that, that market is getting uh that market's getting more popular too 100 percent absolutely is yeah. and it's it's something like i said i'm it, it's it, it's fun because you can you can just send them and yeah you you know well, I, that it's repetitive it's repeatable and it's it's the gun is going to do what the gun's supposed to do if there's something going wrong when you're shooting a legit air rifle yeah. the problem lies with the shooter and you can clean up a lot especially on that trigger pull because yeah. like, I think mine, I want to say the trigger pull on mine is set at like um, one pound, four ounces or something like it's crazy light, <laughs> but yeah. it, again, if you're, if you're wanting to focus on not jerk, if you jerk a one pound, four ounce trigger, good luck. Like you have, yeah, you have to work on that creep. And that, that, that comes back to just doing dry fire. I mean, yep. really sitting there doing your dry fire. And when I say getting to learn your trigger, it's, it's so you don't jerk it. It's so you understand the entire process as you're 
as you're pulling through that, you just need to understand the entire process of what your trigger does, whether two stage or single stage, you just need to understand it. A lot of times too, though, is like triggers can be broken in and by breaking mm -hmm. a trigger in, it's doing dry fire, right? If I continuously do dry fire, I'm gonna start to break that trigger in where factory, let's say on an AR factory trigger can be anywhere from two and a half to three pound trigger. But as I continuously do dry fire, I'm gonna drop it down closer to a two pound trigger, which makes a huge difference in shooting. So dry fire is huge, but it's interesting you brought up peaking. Cause dude, I see everybody peak on a pistol, shotgun, in shooting a rifle and they don't understand that they're doing it. And I'm like, you're mm -hmm. peaking. No, I'm not. And I'm like, look, you pull that trigger and you're automatically picking your head up to see where mm -hmm. you hit. You need to follow that through. On a rifle though, like on a bigger caliber moving back, like especially on a bigger caliber moving a little slower, you, if you don't peak and you pull that trigger and you watch it through the optic, you can actually watch the vapor trail mm -hmm. all the way into the target. Yeah. And that vapor trail right there, if you miss, that vapor trail will tell you exactly where you missed. You missed to the right, and you'll be able to tell, like, hey, that was the wind that blew me. I've got a little bit more wind out there. Now, we're getting into farther distances, but I was watching vapor trail at 200 yards on Sunday out of my 223. Yeah. So every, it's, it's, every round is a tracer round if you're shooting right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That, was, so. that was really fun. The first time I did a, a lot of that, um, did a prairie dog shoot out in Montana. And, of course, you know, when it's – 92 degrees in the middle of july like vapor trails a lot easier to see especially when yep. we were you know we were three to five hundred yards uh pretty regularly and that's just the amount of fun that that is is just beyond words if you've never gone and done a prairie dog shoot yeah. a yeah they're just they're just vile little creatures tearing up the ground so <laughs> so you're you're doing god's work by uh by going out there and putting a hurt on them but uh Again, if, if you want to see how good or how ungood you are, it shows it off really quick, mm -hmm. what you can do and what you yeah. can't. So that, yeah, that was a, sure. that was a lot on long range. What about, and I I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of crossover, but what about for the guys that want to get a little better at the close quarter stuff? Um, you know, what, what kind of advice, what kind of advice for them? Uh, close quarter is going to be a lot of, well, you know, it depends if we're going rifle or we're going into, uh, pistol, but it's the same thing. It's going to start with dry fire, making sure you have the proper fundamentals. You know, and there's, there used to be a saying that, well, it's still out there. I see a lot of people say it, that practice makes perfect. And we have found in competition shooting that practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Mm -hmm. Because I can practice all day long, but if I'm doing sloppy fundamentals or I'm practicing, you know, the wrong grip when I punch out on my pistol or get on my rifle or even my trigger press, if it's not the proper fundamentals, not the perfect fundamentals, then when I go to the range, then I'm going to see that everything that I did in dry fire, um, or even if I'm doing live fire and it's not the proper fundamentals, right? Not perfect practice. It's going to put in bad habits that will ultimately just drive me to be an even worse shooter. So um, there is that caveat of practice makes perfect, but it's got to be perfect practice. So Dry fire is huge. Uh, getting out there, but making sure that your fundamentals are strong the entire time you're doing uh, your dry fire. So when I get into an AR, um, I do a lot of stuff of getting to understand the AR. I, I play with ARs uh, every day. So for me to understand what the AR does, what it's capable of doing is different than somebody just got into one. Um, but dry fire at home, so no mags, uh, no ammo around you, and just start with racking it and you know getting into the trigger punching out, you know, transitioning from target to target. Those are all going to be huge. And then you move into live fire where you're transitioning from target to target, 
Once you've got that down, now we're going to start adding movement in. But a lot of that is, you know, I'll go to the range. I can be at the range for two hours and only put 100 rounds on range. And that's not because I'm just like, boom, 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 as fast as I can. I'm going to make sure it's shooting a good group, right? I'm going to do my warm-up, and then I'm going to work on moving from one cone to the other or, you know, transitioning from target to target. And it may just be on a buzzer, I punch up, and I'm one, two, right? And then I'm going to go up there and see where I'm hitting. And then I'm going to repeat. And the whole purpose is that what I'm trying to do is get my shot from, you know, let's say low ready. So low ready is stock on, rifles down, I punch up, boom, boom. Um, I'm just trying to get that time as low as possible with the most accurate shot. And a lot of that sometimes is just going slow. Beep, like boom, boom, right? Again, boom, boom. And as you're doing that, you're just naturally ingraining like that perfect practice, make perfect. You're mm -hmm. consistently doing that. And before you know it, you start to speed up and you're going to still have the perfect shot, but just moving faster. Yep. Once you got that down, now we're going to move into training. But it still comes down to getting into barricades. There's a thing called a V-tag board. Um, they make portable ones. So if you have a car, it goes in there. Shooting off of a portable uh, V-pack or, or any V-tag board, but shooting off of any type of V-tag board, whether you're shooting long range for hunting, long range for competition, you want to do CQB stuff for like your house, or you just want to do a three-gun competition or like a two-gun match, a V-tag board is going to really hone in on those fundamentals of getting a rifle in it, putting yourself into an uncomfortable position, getting the rifle out there in that position and start shooting you're going to start to build up fundamentals across the, across the entire board. And the if same you, thing with pistol. Yeah. If you can't do it slow, you're not going to be able to do it fast. Right. Right. Yeah, and I know of. a lot of people, and I, I, I'm guilty of this too. When I first started shooting back in, you know, uh, I don't even know how old I was when I started shooting in Texas, but naturally what we see on TV are people taking beer bottles and cans and they're putting them up on mm -hmm. a stump and we're going to go shoot those. But there's so much that goes into that of actually having the proper fundamentals of shooting the AR, right? Like a lot of guys want to get behind their rifle and they got their elbow stuck way out and they're here and they're super squared and they're leaning back. You know, it's just kind of getting in there and just taking all of those things and tightening them up and fixing your, mm -hmm. your entire core and fundamentals of shooting. And just by doing that, you're going to see an improve, improvement in your shooting. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's one of those things that uh, here in the last few years, especially I've, I've been a lot more deliberate about it and, and seeking out, you know, cause everybody's shooting style is a little bit different. You know, you, you talk to 10 mm -hmm. different shooters, you've got 10 different shooting forms that are going to come up, if not 11 or 12. Um, and a finding what works for you, what's comfortable for you, but all of that relies on you finding what's comfortable. And if you're not doing it enough to know what you like and that you don't like, you know, there, there's all kinds of tips, but there's no substitute for time behind the trigger and um, dry fire. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard those guys too. Well, there's no recoil. There's new sound. Dry fire isn't going to do you any good, but it's that, that muscle memory. You, you talk to the mm -hmm. real serious operators and the, and the real serious competitive shooters and for every live round they're sending down range, there's 10 that are dry fired. And, and that yeah. just, that just holds true with anyone that I've ever talked to that dry fire becomes so important. And, um, you know, we talked about the air gun market has blown up. So too is the training aid market. There's, there's a lot yeah. of resources out there for people anymore. Um, I know, uh, 
I don't know if we'll see them here in a couple of weeks. We're getting ready to go to uh, Poma conference. This, this will actually probably be out about the time Poma is there, but um, spending time with the Mantis guys the last couple of years yep. um, at Poma, we've, they, they were, did a, one of the insiders club giveaways with us. Um, I bought one of the Mantis uh, X 10 units and I, yep. I never considered myself much, much of a pistol shot. And then when COVID hit and when I was living in town, I just couldn't get out to live fire shoot at all. And I started playing around with that X10 and I mean, I literally just watched the scores go up, you know, dedicated yep. time to putting some time on that and the instant response. And, and the nice thing about that too, is, you know, it's, it's one thing. If I pick up the phone and say, Hey, Dustin, let's go to the range. You know what you're doing, watch what I'm doing. You're peaking, you're doing whatever. And you, but so many people are, they're going to the range and they're shooting because they don't have anybody to go with to train and maybe yeah. they're missing, but they have no way to diagnose. They just know that they're missing. And it's that, that yeah. whole, the, you've seen the trigger control, uh, meme that floats around on Facebook. The, you know, it's a, it's a 360 degree circle. You suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck. There you go. Keep doing that. Yeah. But if you, if you don't know well, what you're doing, it's impossible. To, you don't know what you were doing and those instant response, like with that mantis, I mean, it just, you're healing. You're too much trick, so, too much finger, not enough. And that's, that was great. I, I travel a lot, um, whether I'm shooting competitions or for work, because I also represent JP, uh, and some other companies. So I'm, I'm on the road a lot and I spend a lot of time in the hotel room and I have the Mantis X10 and then I have the Blackbeard system, which is for mm -hmm. an AR. Yeah. And I've used the Blackbeard for, uh, in my long range rifle in the hotel where I've got a tripod. So buzzer goes off. I'm throwing the rifle up on the tripod, getting behind target, squeezing the trigger, right? And it's got a green laser shoots out of it on target. Gives me a lot of feedback. Gives me instant feedback. Mm -hmm. Same thing. I'll put it on my pistol, drop from the holster, punch out. And they all give you scores. And so I, you know, I do a, I do a whole thing on the Mantis system. It, it's a phenomenal system. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I tell a lot of people to get into that. Uh, but let's say you're on a budget, you can't afford Mantis because you're going to put money into uh, your ammo and stuff like that. It's cool because we're all on social media and everybody out there, I know you guys have posted videos of you doing something. So take a camera, put it on a tripod, put it in front of you off to the side, draw mm -hmm. from your holster with a pistol or punch up with your rifle and take a shot. If you go back and you watch those videos, I promise you, you're going to watch a video and be like, what am I doing? Uh -huh. Even if you don't know anything about firearm, when you shoot and you see your head pop up, you'll be like, yep. that's not right. Yep. It's a phenomenal training platform. And then there are people out there now that you can send them your video and they will critique your video. They'll critique your shooting and send it back to like call, get you up on a Zoom call and be like, hey, you need to work on X, Y, and Z. Yep. The problem I think is, is actually out there is, is the training, actually going out and training with people. So every year I try to do at least one to two training classes where I go train with somebody else. Next yep. year, my goal is to probably do, I want like next year I want to do about five to seven factory tours and spend like a week at these factories and learn a lot more about firearms. On top of that, I want to do five to seven um, classes, just all training classes. So there's a guy down in Alabama, or uh, Georgia. I want to go down there, and it's a week-long, 2,000 rounds of pistol, right? You show up there. You leave your ego at the door because you're 100% there to learn from an mm -hmm. expert. And so next year, my goal is to go do all these training classes so I can continuously in improve my shooting. And then I can take some of that and work with other people when I'm at the range and I see somebody punching out. Maybe I can learn and be able to pass that knowledge on so we can yep. continually increase our, our performance with firearms, whether 
pistol, rifle, shotgun, whatever it is. Yeah, you met, when we were talking about peak, and that I was going to mention it then, and uh, I I use it I use it more for my bow than I do my guns, and that's that's my own fault. We're all carrying around iPhones or Androids, and every one of them has slow mo video capabilities now. Mm-hmm just just one or two videos and like i said even even if you don't have you know i've got you know i've been in the industry long enough that i i can just text a couple people hey what's this look like just just send Mm -hmm. it for people that don't have that resource you know whether it's whether it's local social media or you know just the people that you follow if there's one thing that people um really should understand about this industry is there are so many passionate people that want you to be doing better. Um, you know, yeah. like I, I, I got my hands on a black beard in the laser Academy earlier this year too. I've had the X 10 for a while and just got the black beard in agreed like that. Just, and for the people that say you can't afford it, but then you're going to, have you looked at the price of ammo lately? Like I, I just, just since I got the black beard, uh, retails, I think it's like around 250 bucks, something like that. It's yeah, That's it's expensive, bad. but it's not crazy. You can't buy 500 rounds of ammunition for that, but you can train yeah. for thousands of rounds of ammunition. Yeah. By, by sure. making that investment. And that's, that's what it is. It's an investment, yeah. but you know, no. reach out, reach out to people and, and find those folks that, because they will. There, there's no shortage of people in this industry that know what they're doing to be able to run a video by and yeah. say, Hey, can you, can you take a look at this? Am I doing something silly? Yeah. I have people all the time on social media. Don't know them. They'll just send me, they'll send me a message. Hey, can like, you shoot a lot. Can you, you know, I follow you and you're talking about this. Can you just watch it? And they send me video. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, feel free anytime uh, at two way Dustin, just shoot me a video over when I have time, I'll sit back and watch it and I'll send it. I'll, you know, if I'm leaning to a different angle, I'll send it back to you. But um, honestly, what made my shooting overall much better was when I went full send into archery. And yeah. then I was like, I started to learn so much on the peaking and the follow through um, with that, with my bow, that whenever I got behind my pistol, the first, that was the first thing I noticed. As soon as I got behind my pistol after shooting a uh, bow for like six months straight, got behind my pistol, and my pistol was so much better. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it got super tight. So, so I do a drill called the dot drill. So when I show up to the range, I'll take out my first you know, target, put it up there, and I've got little one-inch squares. And I'll shoot five shots at three yards, five shots at five yards, five shots at seven yards, 10 yards, 12 yards, right? And what I'm doing is when you're shooting that up close, right, you're, you're stacking everything on that, that one inch. Like all three shots at three, at three yards are all on there. As you go back, you start to notice your group opens up if you don't have a proper fundamental. Now, mm-hmm. what's intimidating behind it is people go farther back and they're like, oh, that target's so small. That target's still a one-inch target, right? Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't matter if I'm at 12 yards or three yards. The target size hasn't changed. What's changed is my fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Up close, I can get away with being a little sloppier, but at 12 yards, I cannot. So by doing that, and if you went to the range and you did nothing but dot drills, for 100 rounds, you just took your time. Even if you just wanted to do two shots at three, two shots at five, two shots at seven, you're going to notice by the end of the day how your shots have gotten a lot tighter and a lot closer. So the next time you actually go to the range and then you just start shooting, you're going to notice you're shooting better groups. So mm-hmm. I start my day with a, a dot drill. Then I'll do whatever drills I want. And I will save at least 10 rounds to do my dot drill at the end. So I leave on a dot drill fundamentals and, or I start on fundamentals and I end on fundamentals. 
Now, sometimes you're at the end of the day, you're a little sloppier. And some people are like, well, you never want to leave on a negative. If I leave on a negative, I've turned it into a positive. Okay. What is it that I need to focus on to make right. myself even better? So then I go home and that's what I focus on for dry fire. Because so the positive of that is it gave me something to work on. Right. Yeah. If I ended my, if I ended my, my, you know, my session, my dot drill, everything's great. Well, now I have to search for something I did in my live right. fire that wasn't, or that during my actual drills, I wasn't happy with. So there's always a way to find some kind of training through video, dot drills, dry fire, anything like that, and turn it into a positive for training. Well, and that, I think we'll, we'll kind of bookend that portion there with uh, shooting is fine, but make sure you're taking time to train too. There's a difference between yeah. shooting and training. And I think a lot of people right. do the former and they're not really fun, you know, focusing on the latter. Um, yep. But, you know, like I said, we could, we could go down that rabbit hole for about another <laughs> hour and I don't know if anybody else would want to listen. But um, so aside from all of that, that was the competitive shooting side, but um, you're also marketing manager at Real Avid. And, um, you know, I've, I've been following the Real Avid guys for, for years, I've been I've been a fan of Real Avid. Um, tell tell folks first of all a little bit about what Real Avid does and and some of the products that they have available. But then also kind of roll that into and I'll, I'll ask the follow up right ahead of time. And it's it's something I've focused on here more is becoming my own gunsmith and under you kind of touched yeah. on it as we're talking about training, understanding my firearm, being able to to fix field repairs, just, just good general maintenance of being your own gunsmith. I think a lot of people get intimidated. So they look at a brand like Real Avid and like, I don't know if I really, if I need that stuff. Uh, but I think yeah. it's really important that, that folks understand why they do. So if you can answer all those yeah. questions all at once, since I asked all of them up front to make it easy on you. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> so uh, Real Avid is the leader in DIY. So do it yourself. So uh, you want to build an AR, we've got a vice here that's been 360 degrees and it's got a torque lock pin, so I can actually lock it in and it'll handle up to 100 foot pounds of torque to crow's foot wrenches and everything I need to install barrels and muzzle devices, my castle nut on my, um, on my buffer tube to, let's say I just got a pistol and I want to do some quick maintenance on my pistol or I want to do change out trigger spring. We make the tools to do a lot of that stuff uh, because when we look at going to a gunsmith, and I love gunsmiths, they, they went to school for this, and I would love to support them. But sometimes changing our own sights on a pistol is something I can do at home. I've got five pistols, let's say, and I want to change five sights on there, and I drop, uh, let's just say, $120 per sight. Now I've got to go pay this gunsmith to put them all in. We make a master sight pusher that will do all of that, right? So you can put your pistols in there. We talk about, you know, I've got educational videos out there. And I'm talking to you how to push the sight out. You put a new sight in, push it in, zero, and then you can go to the range and shoot and you have brand new sights. Well, a lot of it just comes down to is the more you play with your pistol, your rifle, your shotgun, the more you start to understand its capabilities. You start to understand when I'm at the range and I have a malfunction. Is it the ammo? Is it my rifle? Is it my shotgun? Is it my pistol? My sights are off. Can I adjust my sights or do I need to go see a gunsmith? So um, in that realm, Doing it yourself is very important so you can make sure that your firearm is doing 100% what it needs to be doing when ultimately, God forbid, anybody has to go through it, but when that time actually matters, right? But if, let's say, cleaning a rifle, that's still very important. Um, you know, my rifle, I'm looking for groups. Groups open up whenever I need to. Like if I'm shooting it and I start to see that my rifle's shooting a bigger group, that means two things or three things. Um, 
bad ammo, dirty barrel, or uh, my barrel shot out. For most of the people, you're not going to shoot out your barrel. So you're looking at ammo and then you're looking at cleaning. Well, it's pretty hard to go buy another thing of ammo and come back and shoot that and see what it's doing. So the first thing you want to do is give your barrel a nice barrel scrub. So we came out with our new patches and jags that are actually um, caliber specific. So they're a lot tighter, so smaller tolerances. And they actually do a very thorough bolt, uh, barrel scrub. They're actually nickel plated. Our brushes are nickel plated. So that way the, uh, the solvent that's in there, when you run brass through there, it likes to leave like a, a blue, bluish coating. So you can push mm -hmm. the patch and it constantly looks like your barrel's dirty. So the nickel plating allows you to actually know when your barrel's clean by pushing the patches through there. But it gives you a thorough, very thorough barrel scrub. So, you know, clean that barrel, run some rounds through it, and you're going to see that your groups are actually going to be tighter because the barrel, you know, the projectile actually needs to catch the lands and grooves through the rifle, and that's what, you know, project, projects it downrange at a, you know, very specific uh, or accurate. There we go. Makes it accurate. So a lot of things like that are important, and just even if you don't want to work on it, just keeping your firearm clean is super important for accuracy and just fundamentals of the rifle or pistol, whatever it is, just to continuously run. No, it's, it's, it, you know, it's clean, keeping those guns clean. It, it seems so simple, but. I, and that's why it's, it's so hard for me to be like, yeah, you need to clean your rifle. People are like, well, I'm like, look, it's, it's just one of those things that nobody likes to do it, but it is very important. You know, with, with this rifle behind me, um, I honestly, it's a competition rifle. I clean it at around 600 rounds because I understand that's when the group starts open. However, mm -hmm. maintaining my rifle and cleaning my rifle in my head are two different things. I keep my bolt and my, my buffer system that's in there. I keep them, you know, I run a JPSES in there, so I keep oil on my buffer system. On my bolt, I keep my bolt wet. ARs like to run wet. They don't ever like to be dry. So I keep those wet, but as far as cleaning the barrel, I know that my group opens up around 600 yards, so I don't do anything, or 600 rounds, so I don't clean that barrel at that part mm -hmm. but maintaining the rifle which some people still consider cleaning i still do i still keep every time i go to the range i check my bolt all right my bolt needs a little bit of oil i throw some oil on it you know that's where clp which is clean lubricate protect that's where clp comes in is for the guys that are wanting to just maintain keep everything wet keep it running my bolt action rifle i treat it differently i just i have uh use some oil wipes and I just wipe the bolt down then I go to the range and I shoot it. That barrel opens up at 400 rounds, right? I'm going to shoot. And what I mean by open up is like, I need it to shoot a smaller than a one inch group at hundred yards. If it's not doing that, then the barrel starting to open up. And that means, mm -hmm. Hey, I need to clean it or I've got some bad ammo. So those are things that I do. I keep a lot of stuff wet, but I don't scrub my barrels down until I start to see that pattern open up. The only way you can get to that is actually knowing what your rifle does. Right. Um, but, or, you know, by shooting it. Right. But those are just things that you just got to do it. You got to keep your stuff clean. My everyday carry pistol, I clean it. I go to the range, I shoot it, I clean it. It's my everyday carry pistol. That to me is, is very important. I have four daughters, right? So four daughters, my wife, if anything ever happens, I need to know that my everyday carry pistol is going to do its job mm -hmm. every time, 100% of the time. Don't want it. Don't ever want to have to use it, but it is something that I maintain and keep clean just for that instance. Well, and it the, kind of, you can draw the analogy to, to like classic cars. Um, 
you know, yeah. the, the best thing you can do for a gun is get out and use it regardless of what it is. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're getting out, use it, and then you just take it back and you park it in the, in the safe and it sits there for four months and it never got ran and it never got cleaned. You, you know, it's, that's where you really start to run into the problems too, is if you're going to be running it fairly consistently, I mean, how often are you shooting? What's, what's the longest your competition rifle goes without being shot? Especially this time um, of year. Th- this one, it will be without being shot. Yeah. What's the longest it sits oh. between being shot this time of year? <laughs> uh, three days. <laughs> right. 36 <laughs> hours. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if you're not, you know, if you're not even running a bore brush down at between big deal, it, you know, it's, it's not yeah. having time to sit there and crystallize and get disgusting. And you're, like I said, you're running wet. And so there's a million things that factor yeah. in there, but even, you know, the classic car guys, they'll tell you, you don't, you don't leave a car, a classic car sit with oil in it. They drain the oil. And even if it's not getting driven, you still have to maintain it. And you're yeah. not going to run it to the drag strip for the weekend, gum it up, you know, open those valves yeah. well, up and I, get it breathing and then just take it back and park it and let it sit for six months and not do anything. Like I, it. That's the worst thing I, you can do for it. I saw last year a guy, he had a uh, 300 win Mac, brand new. And he's like, I'm going to do the barrel break. I'm going to do everything. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. So I went to the range with him, felt sorry for him for shooting that thing. because <laughs> It kicked like a mule. And like he started in a flinch and I was like, well, you're flinching now. You're, you're, you're literally everything you want to do with this rifle besides barrel breaking is done because you're flinching so bad. Right. It, it's just horrible practice. But, um, he went, he actually took a mule deer and an elk. Awesome. He came back and he put it in his safe. Didn't touch it. So a couple of weeks back, he's like, Hey, let's go shoot my rifle. We go shoot his rifle and shoot like a two inch group at a hundred yards. He's like, I don't know what's wrong with this thing. And I'm like, well, did you clean it? Well, I didn't only put like four rounds through it after I broke it in. I'm like, so you didn't clean it? He's like, nope. And I'm like, and you were hunting in the rain in Colorado. <laughs> right? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, awesome. I think, I think well, we've uh, isolated the problem. 100%, right? So he's like, well, I wiped it down. I'm like, well, I can tell you wiped it down because there's no rust on it. Right. Um, but it came back to he got done shooting. Dude the chemicals that are the just the chemical mess that happened when powder is burnt and mm-hmm. uh the fouling that happens inside of a barrel just from one round going right. down that barrel is enough to destroy a barrel if it sits for long periods of time so yep. you get done shooting you need to run a rod through it okay like put yep. some oil on it run a rod through it at least keep oil inside so if you're not going to do a thorough thorough barrel clean clean keep some oil on those lands and grooves so when you do decide to shoot that rifle in a year from now it's still going to shoot good and you didn't just waste all this money on the rifle and now you got to put a new barrel in it because it's well, actually trying and not to take we're going to take to the next that was i'm guessing uh not a pre but a, a, a decent hunting rifle shooting good hunting ammunition now yeah. let's take just a, a an entry-level ar that somebody bought and they went and got 500 rounds of of russian imported steel case dirty <laughs> dirty steel case ammo put 150 rounds through it the first time they went to the range brought it home put it in the safe and let it sit there for three months you think yeah, that hunting that rifle had problems 
you you might have welded that bolt shut with all the crap that you left in in that type of a so it's yeah it it seems so simple keep your gun clean yeah and yet it, it does I, look I've, I've been i've been hunting you know when we were kids we go hunting and i remember my cousin we went hunting and the next year before i knew anything about rifles the next year we're like we pull out our hunting rifles and we're all shooting and then we hear this loud explosion and we turn around and his barrel is like in three different pieces at the end and it's in a couple of different spots and nobody can figure out what happened and the only thing we can guess is that that year when he came out of his deer stand the last day it had actually been raining and he always runs with his barrel slung to the ground mm-hmm. the only thing we think about is when he came out of the tree stand it, it went into the mud got some mm-hmm. mud caked up in there he wiped it down but he never put a rod or anything through it yep. so his first shot hit that mud and it, it blew up on him I, look there's a lot of reasons why we can say it's important but look we put a lot of money into your firearms uh, from an optic to to the actual rifle and when we expect them to go hunting and i want to you know smoke a coyote at 150 yards i expect it to hit the coyote at 150 yards right right and not have to track the coyote down and a lot of it comes down to just guys not understanding their fire and not putting the time back into that firearm that it deserves. And you see a lot of people like, well, Hey man, I, I shot this buck and I, I promise I was aiming right here and, and uh, something happened, right? Something happened. And I, I didn't get the shot that I needed. And you're like, I bet if we really got into this, you know, you zeroed at like a different altitude probably. Cause I've seen that happen where a guy zeroes at 900 feet, you know, elevation, and mm-hmm. then he goes up to Colorado and at 6,000 feet above, you know, sea level. And his zero is completely different. He didn't zero. It takes a 500-yard shot. Has no idea why he, you know, shot four inches below the heart. And he's got to right. go track this animal down and probably never found it. it. It's just putting time into your setup. You're going to spend $7,000 on a hunt. I, I think spending, you know seven minutes at the range really getting to understand what that rifle does if that's all you got just go do it you know agreed so we'll we'll start to wrap it up here what's what's the latest from real avid i think you kind of touched on a couple things but what uh what's the latest and greatest from from the wonderful minds over there at real avid yeah um well we came out a lot of cool stuff at shot show so we got our vice we've got a amk pro which is our armors master kit pro for the ar guys um we have a laser bore sighter now that is um actually runs a green laser so it's very daylight friendly um so it's great takes uh two double a batteries on the bottom or triple a batteries on the bottom and it's just a little uh, push button at the front it gives you a little green laser uh this thing's cool it's magnetic so it goes on the end of your barrel it's just for bore sighting so if you want to get on paper faster so you are running 300 wind mag and you don't want to put too many shots Throw that on at 25 yards. Now your optic close to the bore sighter. Take it off. Take a shot. You'll be within. I think we're running a 4 MOA on that, so you'll be mm-hmm. within 4 MOA um, on your paper, and you can easily zero in from there. Great. Uh, we got a lot of cool stuff coming that I can't talk about yet, but I'm very excited about nice. the the progression that we're continuously making here at Real Avid. Um, big thing is we do have, you know, we we have our own entire line of chemicals. And when I say that, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, so you relabel. We, we did not relabel. We have a guy, I call him the Mad Hatter, the Mad Scientist, whatever you want to call him. He loves chemicals. And like this guy has told me how to make some really cool stuff that I can't repeat uh, on this <laughs> Zoom call that I can go home and play with. But um, 
he designed our entire line of chemicals and we've got a, a salt tester out here like a it's pressurized and fully contained and we can throw different like metals in there like barrels we'll put different coatings of oil on there and we'll run them and we're actually outperforming all the lead uh brands out there so our clp is awesome it works in negative 17 all the way up to 100 plus degrees i've ran it in all those different temperatures through ars in bolt guns um, you know a lot of people like clp so it's great uh, cool thing about it is i can spray in this spot position here or it has a straw that i can open all the way up and spray nice. there for more fine stuff so big fan of our clp um our laser bore cider has been pretty awesome it does work on pistols as well um but yeah i mean really like if we're looking at hunting uh, the biggest thing I'd say is that we came out with, oh, we have a level right pro, which uses the barrel or the rifle in the optic as a level plane. So it actually goes on top of the barrel in the rifle and has one bubble level. And then has a projector, which is a flashlight that shines through it backwards onto a grid. So I can actually zero everything and zero my rifle. Nice. Uh, or zero my optic or level my optic very fast. Uh, we started putting that in a kit where it comes with our smart fork, which is a, uh, torque driver that goes from 10 to 70 inch pounds and does one inch pound increments at a time. Love mine. Love mine. Pick that up at the Glow auction last year. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, And then, you know, we put, we put it in a kit too with the Bismack. So, you know, hunting, if you're wanting that, that like be able to level an optic super fast and easy and get on paper fast, we've got a uh, master grade combo uh, or master grade leveling kit with laser bore cider works phenomenal for that and it's just you know quick easy it's one package you pull it out it's got everything you need in there to make sure your your deer hunting rifle is ready to go um if you've got picatinny and you've got an ar and you want to hunt with an ar then it'll work on picatinny as well so barrel or picatinny mount uh phenomenal uh but it, it all goes back to this vice here like i said you saw it i think you wrote mm-hmm. an article on it yep we included um, it in the best things we saw at ata and shot show yep yeah, so moves 360 degrees. I have built at this point now, I've built over 60 ARs on it. I've built a couple of different chassis guns, bolt guns on there. It's great for whenever I want to change out my trigger on a bolt gun. I can, it'll work on barrels, Picatinny, Arca Swiss. Um, if you've got this, like your little tack rail on a shotgun or a pistol, it holds that. We've got the soft dolls for shotgun guys or the really nice wooden stock. You don't have to nice. worry about that. But like I said, it's been 360 degrees. You can drop it down. I have a pin in here that I can actually lock into place and uh, torque it down in that position now to hold 100 foot or up to 100 foot pounds of torque. And there's nothing else on the market that will spin 360 degrees and still handle up to that amount of torque. So for firearms, but um, my daughter is now using it to do some of her archery fast stuff because I can put it in this position. I can right. put her little strings or whatever in there. It works great for uh-huh. that. I've worked on my bow with one. I've done, uh, you know, some wood, you know, like some wood stuff on there, some little wood projects. So it's just a, it's just a great vice that I think everybody should have in their house from to work on bicycles, skateboards, whatever it is. You got kids, you need a vice. You're, you're going to need it for something. something. Agreed. Exactly. You're definitely going to need it for yeah. something. Great. Yeah. Well, I, oh, go you No, go ahead. Finish it up. I was just going to say for everybody who likes playing with cameras, I've mounted my camera on there too and shot it back <laughs> onto my desk so I could build stuff. So. Uh-huh. Perfect. <laughs> well, Dustin, appreciate you jumping on with us today. We covered a lot of ground. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, you know, obviously uh want people to be able to find you, want them to be able to find Real Avid. Where can they do that? Yeah, so uh Real Avid is just at Real Avid um on Instagram. You can also email me at 
and maybe you can put this link or something. But if you have any questions, just give me my direct email. It's uh, dsanchez at realavid.com. Uh, you have any questions on our product or you just uh, question on a firearm, whatever, shoot me an email there that goes directly to my cell phone and I can answer that. Um, me personally, I'm at 2A Dustin on Instagram. Uh, don't post too much stuff on there because I'm busy posting for other companies. But um, yeah, shoot me up. If you got a video, you want me to watch a video, you want to just talk to me about firearms, you want to talk to me about any product, hit me up on any of those social media platforms or shoot me uh, an email over at my email and I'll get to you as soon as I can. Dustin, it's a pleasure. Appreciate it. Wealth of knowledge every time I talk to you. Uh, great. And uh, we'll see you see you soon out at Poma Conference. I'm looking forward to that. So uh, yeah. again, everybody, it's uh, real avid. Um, I've I've been using I've been using them forever. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the real avid products for whatever that is to everybody listening. But uh, thanks for listening to the Spy Point podcast. Invite you to rate, review, subscribe wherever it is you're consuming podcasts. Help other people find find the information. Any feedback that you've got, you know, reach out to us at Spy Point Camera on uh, on all social media platforms, and we'll do what we can to get back to you. So thanks everybody for joining us. Have a good day. Thanks, Dustin.